Welcome to When Pigs Fly. We're uncovering Cincinnati's rich business history from the 1800s to today. We talk to companies to learn the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, what it takes to grow a successful business, and to simply prost to future innovation. I'm your co-host, Patrick Bailey. And I'm your other co-host, Allie Martin. And today we are speaking to Eileen Boudot, the COO of Last Mile Food Rescue. This is really exciting because Last Mile Food Rescue is a greater Cincinnati food rescue organization and it's a nonprofit on a mission to save good food and to get it to those who need it most. So what is really interesting Mm -hmm. about Last Mile Food Rescue is it is an app, Mm -hmm. so you download it on your phone and it's basically like an Uber of food rescue, if this makes sense. So by using the power of volunteers fueled by technology, they're able to connect food donors with nonprofits who serve the region's food insecure and they're fighting food waste and helping to end the hunger that's closest to home. Mm. So you want to talk about going and as a volunteer, you pick up from point A, and then you bring it to point B, which is a nonprofit, and it's all fueled and powered by an app, which is called Last Mile Food Rescue. I'm really excited because the business logistics that have oh to go gosh, into right? you know planning this, prepping this, and then figuring out where do you take this you know leftover food, mm-hmm. you know the food deserts, which is something that I care about and have you know been particularly interested in how do we solve that issue. It's I'm really excited to learn what kind of data is involved and yes. you know, how do you get people onto the site? <laughs> yes, it is so I have I've been lucky and I've actually had the chance to use it a little bit and from someone who really appreciates good user design and experience they have done a fantastic job. Now, I know Last Mile Food Rescue is utilizing and is powered by another app developer. So it'll be interesting to learn about that end Mm -hmm. of things. But it really makes you think about, number one, how we go. We're very fortunate, Patrick, that we're able to get in our cars and go to Kroger Mm -hmm. or Trader Joe's or wherever we need to go, family market, to get our food. But logistically, that's not there for everyone, whether it's physical transportation or financial reasons. And we have our cars to get in and go. But think of also going back to, you know, our historical nugget here that we like to bring to the show every week. Way back when, there weren't cars going to and from Kroger. We were using our rivers to transport food. And especially as our pork industry Mm. grew here, that's how we transported a lot of what we were doing was through the Ohio Erie Canal, the Ohio River. And it was a lot of it was by boat. Yeah. And then I think like, you know, I guess where the first innovation of logistics for food mm-hmm. kind of was the railroads and then refrigeration, yeah, allowing yeah. them to go from the river to the, you know, the farms uh, that yeah. were kind of more that inland. So and so Kroger and Castellini you know, both were in the formed in the late 1800s. So, you know, Kroger 1883 and Kesley mm-hmm. in 1896. They were just mom and pop shops starting out. And then I know, now look at now, right? Thanks to refrigeration. <laughs> I know. Well, that's such a great point, right? You talk about refrigeration and how we're able to even get groceries and they'll last longer because we have refrigerators in our own home. But back then, you would be going to market houses mm-hmm. and they were there would be multiple market houses on multiple streets, kind of back to back to back. And that's how you would exchange 
your goods. So we've come a long way. And now a lot of this is packaged and which actually makes it possible for apps and nonprofits like Last Mile Food Rescue to do what they do because it's easier to transport food that way. I'm really looking forward to learning more about Last Mile Food Rescue, what Eileen's, uh, her perspective, because she has a heavy background in P&G, Procter & Gamble with logistics and how she's been able to implement all of her experience into this app and everything and learn about what they're doing for this community. Yeah, and we have a long way to go and I'm glad Last Mile Food Rescue is tackling this problem. So let's bring her in. Eileen, so you are the Chief Operating Officer of Last Mile Food Rescue. Before we get into some of these facts and figures about food waste and food insecurity, first, right off the bat, tell people what Last Mile Food Rescue is. Last Mile Food Rescue, at its very heart, is a logistics company. So there's plenty of really generous people, lots of really generous people in Cincinnati that are doing food rescue. So basically, that means they're going to a place that's got food available, that's going to waste, that's still fresh and good, and they bring it to people who can take advantage of it, that need it. So they'll bring it to agencies all around town, um, and those agencies are focused on helping those that are facing food insecurity. But that's all happening like one-on-one and, you know, there's a, there's a church group or perhaps mm-hmm. the free store Much food smaller. bank set up, a, set up a relationship. What we do is understand what those points of donation are and those points of need. And we set up really optimal routes and we work with technology and with volunteers who've got an hour of their time and who are willing to get in their car and pick up food from point A and bring it to point B. Yeah. And to give people kind of a picture of this, right? It's almost like the Uber of food rescue. That's the, gr- that's where, the best way to yeah. describe it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. We're the Uber of food rescue, but you as an individual, you become the Uber driver or the hero, so to speak, the food rescue hero. And you'll go and you'll check this app and you will click on what's available. So you can click on a rescue and then it'll have a time and you go and you pick it up and then you drop it off at that given location slash nonprofit, correct? That's exactly it. You're enabling people to basically volunteer, right? And mm-hmm. on this space. Okay. Yeah. I'm still trying to, I'm trying to understand it for myself. Uh, yeah. So, hopefully, so, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. If you it's think really cool. about a lot of people are just really busy these days, you know, think about moms mm. picking up kids from school or parents picking up kids, kids from school, or, you know, even in the midst of work from home, people need a break, but you've not got a lot of time, but you still want to give back to your community. What the app does is show you those opportunities. And again, within an hour of time, you can pick food up and drop it off, you know, really helping people in our community. And the app gives you all the directions. So, you know, it says go to Kroger and Harper's Point, and then it gives you pictures and descriptions and details of what you need to do in order to get the food. It's GPS enabled. So there's mapping software connected with the app, so you never have to worry about, oh, gosh, I don't, I don't know where this nonprofit is located. You just click on your mapping software and you're directed to the point of drop-off. It's super easy. The user experience is actually really quite phenomenal on this app. Um, and, I, and I'm sure Patrick has a similar thought here that everyone always says there's a lot of businesses that say, oh, apps will change the world. Apps will change the world. And there are hundreds and hundreds of apps out there. But I feel like a lot of them miss 
the mark. So when you were designing this app, what did that conversation look like? Because I imagine you went through a lot of testing too. Well, let's take a step back because the technology that we use is licensed from a company in Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. who does exactly what we do. It's called 412 Food Rescue Hero. When we were looking at opening Last Mile Food Rescue, we looked at a lot of different apps that do food rescue. But 412, far and away, is the best technology out there because, in fact, it focuses on the volunteer. So it's very simple. Mm. It just focuses on the volunteer. In the background, I've got a web admin tool that helps me program, you know, the, the rescue point, point A and the delivery point B. But for the volunteer, all they're seeing is, hey, we need you. Food Rescue Hero, we need you. There's a pickup at Capitol Grill and a drop-off at Our Daily Bread downtown. And you can see that and say that's something that I can do and, you know, click a button and then you're, you're, you're set to go. It's, it's very, very simple because of that single focus on the volunteer. So what made you get to the point where it's like, okay, let's start looking at, you know, these, you know, food insecurity, food waste, zero food waste apps, and these like logistic apps in order to white label here in Cincinnati? Like what sparked that? And what was like really the inception of, you know, Last Mile Food Rescue? Sure. Well, let me tell you about our two founders. So the first is a gentleman that I knew when I was at P&G. So I was at P&G for 28 years and retired a couple of years ago. His name is Tom Fernandez. He and I worked in supply chain. We were both procurement folks. He's just got a a really big heart and has had this mission for a long time um, to address the food insecurity problem that we've got in Cincinnati. He met a woman who's our executive director, Julie Schiffman. And Julie Schiffman was chatting with her sister and her sister said, hey, you know, I, I, I got to go. I'm going to do a food rescue. And she said, a food rescue? What the heck is a food rescue? <laughs> <laughs> and then was introduced to this concept of, yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of food that's being thrown away. They say now it's 35%. The, the going term had been 40% for a long time, but luckily we're making some inroads on that number. But between 35 and 40% of food never makes Mm -hmm. it to your tummy. It gets Mm -hmm. thrown away. Mm -hmm. And we're not talking about, you know, banana peels. We're talking about food that's really good, still, you know, got a lot of life left in it, but it's just not something that either a grocery store will continue to have on its shelf or a food wholesaler won't have the time to get it from their distribution site to the grocer, or it's food that was made during the course of today's offering from a given restaurant, and they're not going to serve that again tomorrow. So any of this food, you know, the quickest path for it to, to leave that location is via, via the truck that shows up and brings it to the dump. We're just trying to interrupt yeah. that trip to the dump, if you will. It's one of our mm-hmm. taglines and, and get it to people <laughs> who can use it. When it comes to food uh, health, so to speak, I guess. So if you're working with produce, was there, were there any logistics of, you know, FDA and safety of transporting this produce and, and that food? Because what if it goes bad? And if the restaurants aren't using it, are they allowed to, to send it out? What does yeah, that look like? Sure. So let me also provide some perspective that food safety is really important to us. After, mm-hmm. after I left P&G, I decided to go to culinary school. And my intention wasn't to be a chef, but it was always just because I was interested in food, food in general. And one of the courses that I took is a a safe serve and I got a certification. It's kind of a tongue twister. Um, But everybody on my staff is uh, serve safe certified. 
And we never want to be in a situation where people in any way are affected by, by any, any kind of, a, of an illness. But again, we're talking about food that is still good, still healthy. And mm-hmm. there's a law called the Good Samaritan Law that basically allows food donors to provide that food to those that can take advantage of it, provided, of course, that it was, um, it was prepared in a safe way, that it was transported in a safe way, and then when it arrives at the donor, it's maintained in a safe way. And so we track all of those things all along the process. Um, and that's one of the nifty things about our app. It's got tracking. So we know when um, the food was picked up, and we can see in the background when it was dropped off. Remember, I said it's GPS enabled. So I'm, I'm checking all those steps along yeah. the way. And if a volunteer, let's say they get their car breaks down or something, and they've got a trunk full of frozen meat that they just picked up from a, from a grocer. Um, I'll see that. I'll see that, wow, they've been out for now two hours. And that was just a 15-minute span of time. Yeah, do you ever worry about someone taking home food with them? No. And if is is there a way? Because I've say, actually been asked that. Cause <laughs> I talked about this on the radio, and someone said, "Are are they concerned about someone going home with food that they might pick up?" I know that's a darker thought, and well, again, but I can it's track a legitimate it. question. Yeah. Again, I can track it because I I yeah. see every single rescue that's yeah. planned for a given day. Yeah. I see when the rescue gets picked up. I see when they're en- en route. I see when it gets dropped yeah. off. So. If all of a sudden that volunteer disappears, you know, I've got their name, I got their phone number, I call them and I say, hey, yeah. how and, you the, and do you know the volume of food too? I so do. if for any reason, yeah, yeah, yeah because I, I imagine that has to be a big part of yeah, it too. Yeah, I do. Um, so we pick up food and we have an estimate of what we're supposed to be getting from a given donor and the volunteer mm-hmm. goes in and verifies that in fact, that's what they've picked up and then they bring it to the nonprofit who says, yep, that's what I received. That's really So there's cool. tracking all along the way. I do want to kind of take a different turn. You mentioned your history. Um, no you know, pun intended get... on the GPS app. <laughs> 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 <Ba-boom-tsh>. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, your work history is phenomenal. First off, thank you for your service. Uh, you were a captain in the United States Air Force. Totally getting this all off your LinkedIn. I creeped on it earlier, not going to lie. Um, <laughs> but how did your previous like work professional history prepare you for this role? Mm. Obviously, the military, there's a lot of planning and logistics, but also at Procter & Gamble, lots of planning and logistics as well. Like, Can you dive a little into your history? And sure, tell sure. Us a little bit well, about I like that? to say that I trained for 28 years at P&G in order to do this job. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I would say that, you know, I, I loved my work at PNG. I I really love my work at PNG. I did procurement, um, for the majority of that time, but, but understanding what it takes in order to get something that you need from point A to point B is Mm -hmm. what, you know, makes a successful supply chain and and making sure that Mm -hmm. you're not taking too many detours along the way. A lot of the challenge that we had at PNG was in this whole point of, you know, the way we tagged our company, the last mile. The last mile is really complicated and it's really challenging. And so we just took the challenge away by saying, hey, we've got all these really wonderful volunteers out there that have cars and SUVs and vans. And the quantities that we're talking about rescuing are typically not large truckloads. Again, think about Capitol Grill at the end of their service. Um, for the day, they've got probably 
three or four boxes of food that they've they put in their flash freezer. And so that can very easily fit in the back of someone's SUV or in the back of their, their van, and they can get it to the next point. And if you think about what goes on at a nonprofit, a lot of them are not big food operations. So they don't mm-hmm. have you know, major um, delivery operations with, with uh, where a, a, an 18 wheeler would back up. They really can take advantage of small vehicles that have food and that can make a difference for them and for their operation. You had mentioned that you have been, you, the 412 Rescue, that app, that was kind of the launch of it. So how much of that did you use and how much did you all here in Cincinnati, the last mile group, put in your touch? Sure. So the technology of connecting volunteers to rescue is 412. We gave them our branding, our last mile food rescue branding, our names, our addresses, our zip codes, those kinds of things are all done by us. Um, But the, the guts of the technology is licensed by 412 and they support us a lot. So, you know, Tom and, and Julie and Eileen, we didn't do food rescue. Yeah. Um, we don't have a lot of nonprofit experience. Julie mm-hmm. um, was an executive director in a, in a nonprofit called Adopt-A-Class, but the rest of us were just kind of, we knew what we wanted to do. And 412 helped us a lot in um, understanding the dynamics, how we could run our dispatch operation with um, the most efficiency that we could, um, the different kinds of places to connect and make sure that we could bring our food. Is 412 Food Rescue a for-profit organization who does No, they're something? also a non-for-profit. They're a non-profit? So, yeah, okay. both of yep. you are non-profits. Exactly. Then. So they started in Pittsburgh, and there's probably about 10 cities now that use this technology. So we're one of that, one of that group, and, and we connect on a regular frequency as well. So we're always learning from each other, understanding new ways of, of connecting to the community and, and getting food to, to those who can use it. How did you initially get restaurants on board and participants on board? Great question. There's another really nifty organization. This is a for-profit company called Food Donation Connection. They're based down in Tennessee. Um, And they work with a lot of restaurants, a lot of, I would say, big franchise operations. So think about Chick-fil-A. I mentioned Capitol Grill. So the the range is pretty broad in terms of, Mm -hmm. of restaurants, but they'll connect with the home office, provide some support for tax refund development and so forth, which is really important for restaurants. And then they look for companies like us to do the pickup. So they support the restaurant in terms of all the reporting, um, but they use us to to do that rescue. What, so what is the biggest logistical hiccup in this whole process? The most difficult, I would say, is is maintaining that short distance especially mm. as we're starting up. So we, we opened our doors in November and started with Castellini down in Northern Kentucky and with a couple of nonprofits. Talbert House is a big organization that we work with, our daily bread. Getting from doing a few rescues to then bringing on all the UDFs, bringing on restaurants, bringing on Kroger stores, um, a Walmart here and there, you know, making those connections between the food donor and the food recipient and doing that in a way that, you know, you think about our daily bread and Talbert House, they have big kitchens. So you can bring them food like Castellini produce or the large amounts of protein that we can get from some Kroger stores. Different than 
what we get from UDF, wonderful dairy, milk, Mm -hmm. ready to eat Mm. foods, salads and sandwiches and wraps and those kinds of things. So you have to think about the mission of the agency and what Mm -hmm. they're what their capability is in terms of transforming food themselves or what kind of refrigeration space do they have, you know, Mm -hmm. and knowing those details so that you can make the right matches between the food donor and the food recipient. Do you know where Cincinnati ranks in food insecurity across the country? We're up there. We're up there. We're, we're not, we're not in the top. We're not in the very top. Um, You know, we're fortunate from that perspective, but with COVID, we're now in a position where lof- roughly one in one in five people in Cincinnati are pace- facing food insecurity. There's a lot of interesting stats. If anyone has, everyone should go check out lastmilefood.org. Again, just like the app, the website's really clean and well-designed. But there's a lot of facts and figures, you know, over 40% of food produced gets tossed while one in five people go hungry, like you just said. Where are these numbers coming from? So there's a couple of large organizations that focus on this big problem. One is called REFED, R-E-F-E-D, and we rely on them an awful lot. They do a lot of, you know, analysis and and research that we rely upon for our numbers. Of course, there's Feeding America, and Feeding America does, you know, they're the largest nonprofit in this space anywhere. And so we rely on them a lot as well for their data and their insight. They, for instance, will look at the various food purveyors, whether it's a Kroger or Walmart in a given city, and understand by the nature of the zip codes and and who's facing poverty and so forth, um, what a reasonable amount of food could be that they could donate. So that provides us Mm -hmm. guidance to go off and target different companies to say, hey, you know, we think you might have some waste. We can help you. We can divert that that waste from the landfill. We can give it Mm -hmm. to those that can they can still eat it because it's still good. And all of that is good value in the in the supply chain. Is the food waste then considered like a donation? So like mm-hmm. the, the corporations are then being getting to write this off on They absolutely can write it off. Wow. They're not only writing it off as a tax refund, but mm-hmm. they are eliminating um, some of their costs, their landfill costs, which by the way, you know, Hamilton County is all about. You know, we need to we need to reduce the stuff that's going to the landfill. Um, for one thing, it's letting off all sorts of methane gas. That's, you know, big, Mount Rumpke. big concern. And I think that's just like a bigger conversation about just reevaluating the way we consume. Right. I um, it, it's almost like we're able to kind of with apps and ideas like Last Mile, be able to help out in a small shape or fashion, but that's still the last mile. That's at the that's on the back end of this issue. But there almost needs, I feel like, be more of a conversation too on the front end of the issue of how much we're producing, how much we're consuming, and those logistics. What are what is your opinion on that, especially coming from a larger corporate company like PG? Yeah, well, so many companies, PG for sure, is is working on sustainability and has a sustainability message that they're sharing on their on their corporate websites. And I love reading those, by the way. It's interesting to read Kroger's Zero Hunger, mm-hmm. Zero Waste. And and I think that a lot of people that get involved with Last Mile, I know from myself, you're either you're either getting involved because this is an issue that's important to you. It's either important to you because you're focused on helping those that are facing food insecurity, or you're you're interested in it because of your own personal waste or your concern about the environment. 
Or maybe you're just interested in being a volunteer. But I think that by doing food rescue, your awareness is just heightened. You, mm-hmm. You're visiting places that you didn't know existed in Cincinnati. I had a, a volunteer call me and say, Eileen, I had, I had no idea this community existed. I had no idea mm. there was such a need in our community. Mm. So that's, that's really eye-opening for volunteers, but also just your own choices going to the grocery store. You know, how many times I, I like to tell this, the story of the, the strawberries, you know, you buy a <laughs> container of strawberries and it gets hidden in the back of the refrigerator and then you look at it and it's like, oh no. That's, yep. <laughs> it's perished. What was I thinking? It's perished, those poor little berries and you got to throw them away. <laughs> They're now blueberries. <laughs> That's very sad. <laughs> yeah, so, so um, I know myself, I, I'm just so much more aware now. How do people get involved with Last Mile? Kind of walk us through that process. Super easy. You can either go to your app store and download the app. You can get on our website and you can find a link to the app. But you do need you do, do need a smartphone and you do need a vehicle. That's like two basic things that are required to do food rescue. But once you download the app, it gives you all the instructions that you need. So you need to take a, a food safety training. It takes about 15 minutes but it takes you through the really important elements of food safety and the things that we want to make sure that you as a volunteer know so that you're, you're informed and can do your job well. And then you just look for a rescue, you know, find one that's in your neighborhood, find one in a place that you are interested in going. Maybe you've got an agency that you're connected with and you see that we're rescuing food and bringing it to them. Or maybe you're involved in an agency or you work for a food purveyor and neither of those are being serviced or supported by Last Mile, well then definitely give us a call and let us know. The majority of our volunteers are doing rescue, but we've also got volunteers who are helping us in a number of different ways. So for instance, I've, I've just started a big program with Kroger where we're going to rescue from, you know, every Kroger in Cincinnati is my goal. But getting started when we're talking about the amounts of food that we're rescuing from Kroger, it's, it's a pretty big job. And, and I live by Sharon Woods. And, you know, so I, I need some help going yeah. to all these Kroger's all over town. So we're starting what we're calling a, a store captain program. And those captains are working really closely with my, my team. But they're, the, they're, they're in the neighborhood of that Kroger. So they can run over there and do the rescue at the last minute if somebody doesn't come. And, you know, they're, they're helping us get going. Rescue heroes are helping us by talking to restaurants, by talking to smaller stores that have food to rescue. Um, so they're helping mm. us in a number of different ways. It sounds like you're facing issues with scaling and you're solving that by having these, you know, captain, you know, these store captains. What other, you know, issues do you foresee, you know, happening as you scale? And, you know, what are some other possible solutions that you've been thinking about? Well, like I said, our biggest need is for volunteers. So when folks like you call and say, hey, we'd like to do a little piece on Last Mile, we say, yes, because yeah. <laughs> I can tell everybody that I need volunteers in Northern Kentucky. I need volunteers in the Anderson area and I need volunteers on the West Side. Those are three pockets where we're growing a lot. And that's not where our initial volunteer base came from. So get the word out that we need volunteers in those locations. I'll um, sign up. I'm from the West Side. Yeah, so yeah. Patrick's up. on the West Side. <laughs> I'm on the East Side. All right. Wait. So here's a question. Then, so if a rescue doesn't get picked up, what happens with it then? Well, we've so far we've never had that situation. Um, oh, good. 
And part of it is because, like I said, I can see everything. So the night before I can see what's what's going on the next day. And if we see mm-hmm. there's a rescue or two that's not being rescued, we'll throw it out on social media. We'll give it a little extra attention, a little extra love. We've got some rescue heroes that we call superheroes. Um, mm-hmm. Some really wonderful people in our community that are rescuing. You know, they'll stop at two and three spots on a given day a couple of times mm-hmm. during the week. So they're really, really helpful to us. But you know, maybe maybe once or twice a week, somebody on my team will have to do a rescue, which I think is a good thing because we've constantly got to be out there rescuing, making sure that the directions that we've set up, exactly, the directions that we've set up are clear, that we've got the right pictures in the app so people get the visual of where they're supposed to go and so forth. And when they go to pick these up, are there specific bins that you've supplied them with, or is it just whatever the restaurant has and... They take it from there and go. Those people that are doing food rescue often have come up with some hacks. So, you know, they'll bring their own plastic bins. It just makes the job easier because these plastic crates that we get from UDF or from Kroger, they like them back. You know, we like to make sure that those get back to the original point. And so sometimes for a volunteer to not have to make that return trip, and drop off the crate, they'll have their mm. own totes in their mm-hmm. back seat, and they'll, they'll use those. But a lot of it is, you know, banana boxes and crates mm-hmm. that come with produce. Do you have any last-mile food hacks uh, when volunteering? From a volunteering standpoint, well, you know, we've got a group. We've got a Facebook group, and it's, a really, it's pretty active. It's active from the standpoint of it's not just last-mile um, staff that's putting out information and, and ideas, but it's, mm. it's our volunteers that are communicating with each other, asking questions. So we just recently had a challenge around how do you know for sure that you're getting the right weight because measuring the amount of pounds that we rescue is important. Yeah. So we gathered some tips from a number of different people, and we tried to make it really easy. So, for instance... If we're talking about UDF, the majority of the weight comes from milk. And it's really easy to say, okay, a gallon of milk is roughly eight pounds. So tell mm. us how many gallons of milk you've rescued. And then we've, you know, kind of provided those tips to people so that they know how to give us the right kind of information. So when you get that information, who is keeping track of all of this, all of the stats? Because here's another thing, goes back to user experience, why I'm very impressed. If you go onto the Last Mile Rescue app, it has, let's see, if you're in Cincinnati, it says 681 rescues, 1,200 and, or 121,970 pounds of food rescued, 101,000 meals, yada, yada, yada. And then it gives the ability to share it, which I think is really cool. And so then let's say I hit Instagram. Right. So then it opens up and it's real. it's really well done. Who is who's in charge of this? How is this happening? I need to know. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, but I'll also tell you, go up to the top right corner, Allie, because you've probably yeah. looked on just this past month. But if you look at this year, you can get the yeah. details for this past year. You can also get the details for. Yes, that's the. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. just the last 30 days. Wow. By exactly. The way. Yeah. So let me and get the full Cincinnati. year is 1,611 rescues. Yeah. And you guys just launched. Yeah. And so everywhere. you can also look on the left side and you can see that's Cincinnati, but you can look at your own impact. Uh, you know, so you can that. see what you've done to help in Cincinnati, or you can look at the total network of Last Mile Food Rescue, the Food Rescue Heroes across all of 412 Food Rescue Hero. And so, and uh, so, how many different cities then are have they launched in? About so ten. Where is, where is everywhere? Okay. About ten so far. About ten so far. So there's one in Cleveland. Um, there's another group in New Jersey. A group in Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. 
I feel like they should have, a, this is user feedback, a tab. So everywhere is cool, but then what about all, I want to see also the other cities. Yeah, yeah competition. How do we compare? Like we, we could do a competition, yeah. and then you could turn that into a national, I don't know. This is me going marketing mode yeah, here for you. Absolutely. There's lots of, there are a lot of enhancements that we've got planned for the app. So that's really exciting that it's going to continue to get better and better. Are you in charge of the data for Cincinnati or yes. like, do you have a data guru? Yes. All the stats, all the stats for Cincinnati. My team is planning, monitoring, you know, managing. So how are you actually collecting then? I know this is kind of a basic question, but like you said, okay, you're talking about the gallons of milk. Mm -hmm. You can kind of estimate mm -hmm. how much that's going to be. So if I'm picking something up at UDF, who is inputting what into a certain system? How does that come So my dispatcher, happen? my dispatchers are saying, okay, we're picking up from UDF. We anticipate that you're going to have three gallons of milk and a crate of ready to eat items. And that's set up as a standard in the app. We know that because okay, we've so talked to the store manager. Yep. App. We've okay. talked to the store manager and they've said roughly, this is what we've got. So then you as a food rescue see, oh, I'm supposed to get this. Well, that's not always the case. With food rescue, it's it's always a new day, a new yeah, rescue. Yeah, you never know. And yes. so you as the as the volunteer, as the food rescue here, you go in and you say, okay, well, no, actually it was five gallons of milk. There was mm -hmm. 10 half gallons that makes five mm -hmm. gallons. You know, you got to do a little <laughs> math there. Um, but, you know, you're able to go in and make an edit and say, this is what I actually picked up. And then in the back end, it's all programmed. So we know what that stuff weighs. We also take advantage of pictures. So a lot of times, you mm. know, just be a couple of bags of something. And we ask our food rescue heroes to take a picture. A lot of times they'll take a picture of themselves with the food. And that's really great because we can put it on social media or they can share it yeah. as well. But it also gives us insight so we can see that, and you know, we've been doing this enough with enough, you know, variety that we can estimate pretty closely what we're receiving in terms of pounds. And the other thing, um, I mentioned our partnership with the Free Store Food Bank, but let me tell you a little bit more. With the agencies that they work with, um, all those agencies have scales and they're weighing the stuff that we bring to them. So on the back end, they're providing a validation to say, yes, in fact, they were spot on. They're 5% heavy. 10% light, you know, in the end, we make sure that it all balances out. So it sounds like you've learned a lot in your, you know, the short oh time gosh. of existence yeah. so far. Yeah. What what, what are some of those biggest learnings, would you say, every so day, far? Every day I'm learning. Every day I, the, this, the point that I made in the beginning of our conversation around the generous people in Cincinnati, this has got to be one of the most generous communities. I mean, we should be really proud of the fact that we make sure if there's a need, it gets filled. Somebody steps up. And I'm convinced that we can, we can solve this problem of food insecurity in our city. We can make sure that nobody in our city, nobody in our city is facing food insecurity. It's just something that we've got the ability to, to resolve. So every day I'm learning something new. One of the things that I've learned recently is that, and I guess it's, it was just reinforced. Getting food is a bit humbling for people, you know, showing up at Nutrition. a food bank, getting in line to receive one of these farm to family boxes. It's a bit it's a bit humbling and people are a bit embarrassed about that from time to time. And, and it's 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 sad because, you know, the food's there. Don't feel badly about going to a food pantry if you need to. Don't feel badly about a mobile pantry in your community. Go get the food. It's there. We're bringing it to you. Because you know what, if we can take that one burden away from a family, from, from an individual that's challenged for one reason or another, let's do it. 
And then they can get on with focusing on the other things. You know, money needs to go toward housing, utilities, gas for your car that you need in order to get to work. Like, choose to spend the money that way. Food's available. Food is available. Just go to to where it's being offered and, and don't think twice. Just take advantage of it. I guess, again, that's part of your mission here, too, is getting the word out there. Do you feel like people are aware of where these places are? And are you, are you hoping an app like this can shine a light on that? There are a lot of food pantries, a lot of agencies. Um, we're also starting to do a lot of work in neighborhoods with mobile pantries. Um, mm-hmm. We're making connections into child care centers. We're working with the YMCA, for example, um, and bringing food to various agencies that, that have those that could take advantage of the food. I would ask all of your listeners, you know, if you see a population or a group that is in need of this service, let us know and we'll figure it out. We'll work with the Free Store Food Bank and make sure that the food gets to the places um, where people need it. Now, do you think the state of Ohio has, you know, the correct policies in place to enable businesses like Last Mile to do their business well? Do you think there's, should there be more policies put in place to allow you guys to be more effective? Um, I No, I think we're good there. I, I really mm-hmm. think we're good. Like I said earlier, there's the Good Samaritan Act. So there shouldn't be any concern of a company that's got food to donate, that there's any liability. I mean, certainly, you know, gross negligence is a problem. Um, and they're mm-hmm. going to be found out if there's any of that, <laughs> that kind of stuff going on. But, but again, I, I don't think that's the case if food is available. Now, we're not taking food from non-professional kitchens. So we can't, uh, we can't respond to finally had the graduation party that we've been trying to have for a year now in the midst of COVID, yeah. have a big blowout and have some food left over. We're not have in a position. Costco cake. Yeah, we're not in a position to take the leftover <laughs> Costco cake, no. Um, if I'll it comes take- from Costco and it didn't go someplace in between, yes, yeah. yes, we'll rescue it. That would be an interesting partnership with somebody like a Costco or a Sam's Club because you want to talk about buying in bulk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, actually, they're they're already donating. That's good news. One of the things you asked about what I'm learning, bread. Oh my gosh, there is so bread. much bread that is overproduced. Overproduced. Really? Interesting. Yes. So I've been talking to some of my my brewmaster friends to see if I can't you know come up with a way of of using that leftover mm. bread to make some beer. So. That's actually a really interesting point of you seeing the you seeing logistically what there is so much of or not as much of, and then how do we also pivot, right, solve problems. Now, are you also with this, are you able to then give further feedback to the Kroger's of the world? I mean, if we're overproducing, who's responsible? Oh, they see it. They see it yeah. for sure. Mm. Interesting tidbit. At Kroger, there are only two people that have the keys to the compactor. It's the manager and the assistant manager, which I think is just brilliant um, because then the leaders of the store see and they're able to adjust their order quantities and so forth. So I think tactics like that just make a world of difference. And let's face it, small restaurants, they don't want to be making a lot of waste because then they're not making the right revenue. So I think most companies are are focused on this and they're not doing it purposefully and they're not being foolish about their business practices. But, you know, this is an area where it just, it is what it is. And while it's available and there's a way of taking that food and, and bringing it to those that can use it, I'm coming, I've come up with a solution that makes a difference in Cincinnati. 
what other innovations have you thought of? I, like, I lo- kind of love your whole idea about, you know, bread possibly turning into beer. Has there been any other, uh, you know, fun, I guess, <laughs> solutions? <laughs> I, saw this, I saw this idea on Instagram, and I try not to get on Instagram, to be honest with you, because it's just a big black hole for me. I could spend forever <laughs> yeah. looking at pictures. But I saw this cake that someone had made out of re- mm. rescued pastries, you know, Panera pastries. And it was a rescue birthday cake. And I'm thinking, wow, that's brilliant. I've got a woman on my team who's a big baker. She loves to bake. And I'm like, gee, you can, you can open your own rescue bakery. Rescue. Yeah, it's like those last-minute <laughs> elopement weddings. Like, who wants to uh, – a donut cake or something Exactly. Like that. <laughs> it was this beautiful, beautiful cake that was made out of, yeah, donuts and cheese thingies and <laughs> – <laughs> yeah, charcuterie of some short sort. So with is there any anything else that really surprised you along the way as this has been unfolding that you weren't expecting going into this journey? Well, I, I guess I can share one thing that's a little disappointing. The mission is to make sure that those that are facing food insecurity get some help and support. And a lot of times people throw all sorts of little barriers in the way. Well, what about this? And what about that? And well, you can't do it because of this reason and that reason. And, you know, well, this person's responsible for that. It's like, gee, folks, all we're trying to do is make sure that that food gets to those who can, who need it. Where do you hope Last Mile Food Rescue goes in the future? Well, in Cincinnati, we have a 17 million meal gap. It's a lot. So, you know, I'm probably on a trajectory to save about, to rescue about a million and a half pounds this year. That's, 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 I I have a lot of work to do to get to that 17 million. Yeah. When you, when you say meal gap, explain what, um, what meal gap is. So it takes so many pounds of food in order to, to make a meal. So there's math in the Mm. background and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, calculation. So actually, it's probably about 21 or 22 million pounds that needs to be rescued in order to produce that number of meals that those facing food insecurity would need over the course of a year, right? So, you know, I'm not transforming the food myself. I'm bringing the food to places that will or can. And I want to make sure that as much of the food that is needed is rescued. Because right Mm -hmm. now, the food is either coming from the free store food bank in, you know, large pallets that that like you mentioned, the Costco's of the world are able to donate or it might be purchased. So a lot of, a lot of agencies that have people coming to them are purchasing food in order to make meals. Mm -hmm. Now the world of food rescue is very chancy, right? You've got to be a really smart chef. Um, And there Mm -hmm. are a lot, I mentioned transfiguration, you know, they're getting food and they're all of a sudden coming up with creative ways of using it. Because that's a whole nother topic of discussion. Like you said, you're the middleman, you're the point A to point B, but once the food gets to point B, what are these places doing with them? I guess it's kind of out of your hands at that point in time. It is. If it goes to a pantry, obviously, then people are coming in and shopping for it. If it goes to a soup kitchen, they're preparing meals for people to come and eat. And in some instances, because of COVID, they've had to do carry out meals. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's uh, an after school program. So we work with Operation Give Back and they do after school programs. Um, They've Mm -hmm. got both a pantry and an ability to provide snacks and things to the kids that are coming in for help and support. Mm -hmm. So it's it's used Mm -hmm. in a lot of different ways. You probably said this, but I just want to clarify. The majority, is it like fresh produce? And you, like you said, you have milk. Depending on where it's coming from, it's all, it's all different. But what is, what is the majority? We're dealing in the world of, of perishable food. It's food that has a lifespan that's getting close to the end. We're not doing canned goods. 
We're not doing boxes of cereal and soups and those kinds of things. This is all fresh, fresh food. Are there plans to eventually do, you know, canned goods and, you know, I guess, let's say maybe not even food, like just basic like toiletries and stuff like that? I'll get calls from time to time that there's an abundance of something like right now we're working with UDF has an abundance of batteries that have mm. lots of life left to them. They're, they did a shelf change. They, they changed from one um, manufacturer to the next. And so mm. we're rescuing the, the excess batteries. Um, I had a, an offer for a lot of hand sanitizer from, from mm. a Kroger store. And so we'll bring that to places that we know can use it because just in our travels, we hear so mm. one thing that I heard a while back was um, pantries can use dog food because a lot of families have pets mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, need, mm. they need help there. Um, so that's another thing that we, we found, um, another learning, I suppose. So, you know, when we hear those kinds of things, we, we remember them. And when we see that there's an opportunity, then we, we know the connections to make. And this is just the beginning. So with that said, where is the best place for people to find more information and if they want to get involved? Well, you can you can log on to our app or our, our website, lastmilefood.org. You can download our apps. So you don't even have to go to the website. You just go to your app store, download Last Mile Food, you know, and it'll pop up at the top of your your app store. Download us, sign up, and you can start rescuing on Monday. Great. Thank you so much. We really yes, appreciate thank you taking you, the time. Thanks, Patrick. It was great to talk to you today. And look yeah. forward to seeing you on a food rescue. Yes. Well, this was awesome. And yeah. I am I am really excited for people to hear about Last Mile Food Rescue and what they're doing for their community. Like Eileen said, for our community, I should say. And Cincinnati we really do care about each other and we want to try to help our neighbors out. And I think this is a really great way of someone actually being able to get involved and to help and to volunteer and takes an hour of your day, you know? It's super simple, it seems like. Mm -hmm. And they came to, they met people where they're at, right? Mm -hmm. They figured out a way to fit this in to everybody's, you know, everyday busy life and be like, hey, like if you're just like out about driving, can you just go stop and pick up, make this food delivery Mm -hmm. for us? Um, Which is, you know, they figure out a way with logistics to like democratize it. Right. And that's any business, too. When you think about nonprofit or profit, whatever it is, logistics and actual production, that's the most important part. And they've really done a a beautiful job of seamlessly tying in the user experience. And I that's obviously big credit to to 412 Rescue. Mm. That would be another great conversation of how did they figure out all the logistics and and all the beta testing and everything that they had to go go through, but then being able to execute it in a really visually stunning, appealing, user-friendly way. Mm. I, I think it's great. Logistics in business it was just blew my mind that, you know, mm-hmm. no matter what, yes, morally, this is a great thing, right? You're helping families, you're helping kids, mm-hmm. but also from a business sense, like you're saving money because you're not paying as much to go yeah, to right, the landfill. Right, it off. <laughs> and, right? Tax write-offs. It's, mm-hmm. It blew my mind that they also, you know, both can work simultaneously. 
Yeah, both can work simultaneously. And then as they're diving more into this, they're seeing those small things like, hey, there's so much bread. How do we then mm. create a brewery? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like things things like that where you see, you, you continue to see opportunity and small problems here and there. And then how can you continue to solve it? So our mobile pantry is going to be a, a thing in the future. I'm not sure. We'll see. And maybe this is this is a launch of that. And food insecurity is one of those soft spots in in my heart because if you don't have new you know good nutrition and a meal on the table when you wake up in the morning especially for families and children how are they going to learn in school how are they going to focus and these meals and these runs will mm. help other families in our community so well with that said let's have a future prost okay <laughs> cheers and here's some necessary legal stuff Allie Martin and Patrick Bailey developed the When Pigs Fly podcast in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, we do not own equity or any financial interest in the companies which appear on the show unless otherwise indicated. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinions of the EW Scripts company and its affiliates or Generator Management LLC and its affiliates or any entity which employs us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. We have not considered your specific financial situation nor provided any investment or legal advice on the show. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. We also want to give a shout out to Claire and Christian of Moonbow. They're the two artists of our intro song, which is so catchy and gets stuck in our heads all the time. So bop over to Spotify or wherever you find your music and give them a listen. And Like the Night by Moonbow is courtesy of Silver Lake Sync. <laughs>